Hey talkers, welcome to Keep Talking Podcast. Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English by practicing every day and also connect with a global community. This podcast is a mix of our Instagram lives and IGTV videos, along with other recorded content. Sometimes we just give tips on how to improve your English, and other times we talk about a wide variety of topics, sometimes with special guests. Most of the episodes are in English, some are a mix of English and Spanish, and in a few we only speak Spanish. I hope you enjoy, and remember to follow us on Instagram at keeptalkingco, or check out our website, keeptalking.co, to join our community and learn more about how we can help you. What's up, talkers? Today I'm going to tell you a story. Te voy a contar una historia. This is a story that's about adventure, and about travel, and about passion and about learning, but mostly it's a story about fear. It's a story about emotions. Una historia sobre todas esas otras cosas que mencioné, pero sobre miedo y emociones. So, this is the story of when I went to Bahrain. Bahrain, if you're not familiar with it, is a very small, um, basically an island country in the Arab Gulf. It's right next to Saudi Arabia. There's actually a bridge, un puente, that goes in between Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, right? And <clears throat> let me give you a little bit of a background here. So the reason that I was going to Bahrain um, is because I had been, well, I was very into learning about the Middle East. I was interested in learning about the entire world, right? Um, and I love speaking other languages, etc., etc. And at that time, I was I had been learning Arabic for a long time, and I was really interested in the Middle East. And I had been to Jordan in um, in 2011. I did a study abroad trip there for about two months in Jordania in 2011. And so this is 2013, and I'm getting ready to go back to the Middle East to go to Bahrain. And this ended up being one of my one of my biggest failures, I would say. I guess I would call it a failure, un fracaso. Anyway, one of my like, mm, yeah, let's just call, let's call it a failure in life, right? And I have many, many failures in my life, and I will probably have many more. Some of them I will probably never talk about on a podcast. But anyway, I want to talk about this one. And so, like I said, I was very into learning Arabic, learning more about the Middle East, just learning about the world. It was fascinating for me, right? As a kid who had grown up in Minnesota and the United States and not really known much about the outside world, this was super interesting to me to learn about, especially with everything that was going on in the Middle East. You know, we had all of these these wars happening and these refugees and et cetera, et cetera, right? And so now it was 2013, I was 24 years old, and I had been looking for ways to go back to the Middle East and to spend more time there. And so I thought the best way to do it was going to be to teach English, right? Enseñar inglés, ¿verdad? Como un americano es muy fácil buscar oportunidades de enseñar inglés en cualquier país. So I'd been looking at, in a lot of different Arabic-speaking countries about ways to be an English teacher. And I found this opportunity with Berlitz. Many of you are probably familiar with Berlitz, right? And it was going to be with Berlitz Bahrain. And so I had been saving up money to do this. I had been working as an interpreter for a couple of years. Um, I had been living with my parents uh, here in Minnesota. And like I said, I was 24 years old at the time. And yeah, I was just, I was waiting for an opportunity like this. 
And so I was offered this job, this 15-month contract to teach English with Berlitz Bahrain, right? And for me, I was like, yes, this is the perfect opportunity. This is what I want, right? This is my opportunity to practice more Arabic, to learn more about the culture, to have a little bit of an adventure. I was just super into the Middle East and I wanted to learn more. And so <clears throat> I got ready. I had a couple weeks to get my stuff ready. Prepararme todo, see? And then it was July, I think it was July the 1st, actually. I went I went on the 12-hour the plane ride with a layover or two from Minnesota all the way to Bahrain, right? And of course, when I arrived, I was I was treated very well. There were actually a couple of, um, there's a couple of things, well, I could say a lot of negative things about Bahrain. But for example, one of the things that I actually really didn't like when I arrived there is that when I got to the airport in Manama, the capital, I believe it's like the only main airport since it's a small island country. So there was me and there were a lot of migrant workers from the, the east, right? So like from Bangladesh, and I'm not sure what countries exactly, right? But what happened was when I arrived in the airport, I was at the back of this like long line and I was pretty much like the only white person there, the only, you know, noticeably Western looking person there. There were a lot of like Asian migrants, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happened was when I got into the back of this line, they called me up to the front. They waved me up in front of everybody. They told me to go right to the front of the line, directo al frente de la fila. And so for me, I'm like, what? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, they're treating me as if I'm like the prince, right? Just because I'm, I'm white, you know? And it was crazy because, you know, I come from the U.S. where, of course, you know, we, we have racial problems and things like that here in the U.S., but it's a society where we treat people fairly. You know, that's what the country's founded upon. And so this was obviously the total opposite right? Like they were just because of the way I looked, they were telling me, okay, you're more important than all of these other people. And that's one thing I actually ended up going to Dubai, which is also in the Gulf uh, Arab countries in the United Arab Emirates. I went there just on a small vacation to visit a friend uh, a couple of years, like four years later, right? And it's the same thing. They really do have this, this system that's very, very unfair to migrants from from the east, from places like Bangladesh, uh, maybe India, a lot of those, you know, Asian countries where people go to the Gulf Arab countries to try to make a living because they have nothing in their home countries. And pardon my French here, but they're treated like shit. They're treated like shit. And this is the same as as far as I know, all over the Gulf Arab countries, which is something I'm going to talk more about in a minute. But anyway, I remember right when I got to the airport, um, I noticed, I'm like, wow, this is not a fair society. They treat people from, you know, Bahrain, other Arabs, well. They treat people from the West, like me, very well. And they treat people from the East like shit. And so that kind of, uh, that was very like off-putting to me. Off-putting means like, como que me molestó un poquito right? But I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. So I got to the airport and I met the guy who was going to be the, um, 
basically my boss. He was like the leader of Berlitz Bahrain. And he showed me to where I was going to be living. It was an apartment where I would be living um, by myself. There were also a couple of women who were teachers at Berlitz. Um, one of them was an American girl and the other one, I can't remember where she was from, but they were also teachers and they lived in like an apartment. I believe it was right up above or below the one I was going to be living in. And it was a very nice place, right? And um, anyway, so I went there, I stayed the night, and they gave me like a rental car that I was going to be able to use during my whole time there. Because they told me that as a teacher, I was going to be traveling to different parts of the country, really just like the city. It's a very small country, but I would be traveling around to some of their different, they had like different teaching locations, right? And so... When I, over the next couple days, I was like starting to do my, my training, right, um, with them. And that was, I can't remember how many hours it was, but I would like do my training at their main office. And then afterwards, I would go and like I would drive the car around because I wanted to see a little bit more about the country, right? And so I drove the car around and I saw some interesting things. It's a very, like I didn't see anything like actual violence going on, right? But it was just a very strange country. I mean, you have a lot of like traditional, um, let's just say traditional Muslims, right? Who look like they're, you know, they live a traditional Islamic lifestyle. Um, you also had just some like very westernized people who were, you know, not wearing Islamic clothes and who would like go out and party and stuff like that. Um, and this was also at a time in 2013. So this was about two years after the Arab Spring uh, protests began. And in Bahrain, I'm trying to remember that I don't really study the politics of it that much anymore. But basically, um, most of you are probably familiar with Shia and, and Sunni Muslims. And so in Bahrain, I'm trying to remember how it is. I believe that it's a Shia, um, a Shia majority of people, but the ruling party is Sunni. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's how it is. Um, and there was some, you know, there was like an opposition movement, right? Um, and so nothing like super violent, like we saw in other um, Arab speaking countries at the time, no like all out war, but there were some, there was a lot of protesting. Um, there was just, you know, a lot of tension, right? And as I would drive around um, the small country, I would see like a lot of areas where you would know immediately when you were in like an opposition area. They would have like these black flags hanging up. And on it, like, I don't really know the difference. I know some of them are groups that were kind of aligned with like the Al-Qaeda and, you know, all of the, the, the really bad, like quote unquote terrorist groups, right? Um, I don't, I don't think that these people were like actually from those groups, but, but just like opposition and like probably, uh, probably places a gringo wouldn't want to go, if that makes sense, right? Um, and so, like, I would see a lot of these areas. It'd be weird because you'd have, like, one, like, really nice neighborhood, and then you'd go one minute past that, and there would be, like, a neighborhood with, you know, the black opposition flags and just kind of, like, look like a dangerous area. Even though there wasn't any, like, noticeable, like, bad things going on, you know, and actually there's probably even less crime in a place like that than there is in, like, the U.S. just because you know, like petty crime, like theft, or say, robos, y esas cosas, they're very uncommon in the Middle East, right? Um, anyway, that's a whole other topic, but it was just, it was a weird area. Um, and, and in a way, in a way, it was actually similar to Rio de Janeiro, to Rio in Brazil, because in Rio, for example, you have a lot of, um, 
a lot of neighborhoods, you have like the favelas mixed in with the like rich neighborhoods. So you go like, you know, uh, one minute you're in like a super rich area, super rich neighborhood. And then all of a sudden you're in like, you know, a favela, a comunidade, as they call it. Right. And so as you go through the city, it's like very hard to know where you are and what areas you should stay away from, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Because they're kind of all mixed in with each other. O sea, todos los barrios mezclados, no hay como un, una parte específica de la ciudad um, donde hay como áreas más, un poco más peligrosas, no sé. So it's, it's not like the best direct comparison, but it felt a little bit similar to that. Anyway, and so, yeah, the more and more I like would go around the country in this car, I was like, this is just like a weird place, you know? And I don't feel safe, even though like I kind of knew in the back of my mind there was nothing like directly dangerous happening. I was just like, I don't know, this just feels weird, right? And then on top of it, for some reason, I still had like a ton of jet lag. Jet lag is when you travel from one time zone to another and your body is totally like off. Como que tu sueño está um, interrumpido. Tu sueño, todo está, todo está mal. Todo está off, ¿verdad? Porque viajaste a otro lugar, en otro uso horario. And so that was still happening to me. Like I was there for three, four, five days and I just like, I couldn't get over the jet lag. Like I would fall asleep at like four o'clock in the morning or something just because I just couldn't sleep before that. You know, like everything, everything was messed up. So I would sleep for like three hours and then I would have to go to my training. And because I was sleeping for like three hours every night, like my decision making was off. My emotions were getting like, you know, worse and worse. You know how that happens? Like when you're not sleeping well, all of a sudden you're like really emotional and you can't control your emotions, right? And if you're scared of anything, then it gets worse and worse. So mi, mi miedo por no estar durmiendo bien, se empeoró, se empeoró. I was just like in a really bad spot, right? And I was like, there was nothing like obviously dangerous that was happening in this country, but I'm just like, I don't feel good. I, I'm scared. I'm scared. And... You know, at the same time, like for maybe like the third, fourth, fifth nights I was there, I went out, um, I think it was the weekend, I can't remember, but I went out with these other two girls who were, one was from the U.S., one was from Europe somewhere, and we went like to some to some parties, basically, you know, the fiesta, no? And that's the crazy thing about Bahrain, because it's... It's a very strange place. As many of you know, the Middle East, you know, in traditional Islamic culture, they don't do things like partying, drinking alcohol, etc., etc. But <laughs> a lot of them are hypocrites, let's be honest. Uh, a lot of Saudis, for example, go to places like Bahrain because they know that they can find, you know, alcohol, drugs, women, etc., etc. And there's a lot of that at some of these underground places in Bahrain. And anyway, the uh, people that I was hanging out with, they weren't doing like, you know, really, really bad things, but they were just like partying, you know, partying the same way that you would party if you go to Las Vegas or Parque Lleras or, you know, I don't want to speak badly of Medellin, but uh, we all know some crazy stuff can happen in Parque Lleras, Medellin. Um, and so this is very strange in an Arab country where they typically don't do that kind of, you know, drinking, partying, et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, for me at the time, this was... This was before I had really gotten into partying. I was very, like, in college, I did not drink and party. I, I did do a lot of that from about 2014 to 2018. Um, you know, I did it in the U.S., Brazil, Colombia, those kind of four or five years of my life. 
I did a lot of, you know, just like staying out late, partying, some drinking, not really too much, you know, uh, you know, drugs. No, nah, not really. But um, anyway, and the, now I've kind of gotten back into a lifestyle where I don't do that. But the point is when I was in Bahrain, this is before I started doing any of those things, right? And so for me, it just was like, not only is this place like scary to me, but it's also just like, this is, this is not the type of place I want to be in. You know, I, like I came here to learn about more about the Middle East and about Arabic culture. And then we've just got these people who like are just getting drunk, you know, like, and yeah, it's, it's weird. It's almost like being in the U S but in a weird environment anyway. And so, um, like I said, the, the Gulf Arab countries, El Golfo Arabe, it's a very strange place to me. It's, um, you know, that most of the countries have, have a lot of money. There's a lot of wealth there, right? Um, they don't treat people well, especially, like I said, migrants from the East. Um, and also there's a lot of, there's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of, uh, like, for example, Arab men from the Gulf are probably like the most machistas that you will ever see, right? Um, and I don't, I don't even have a word to describe that in English because I don't think machista really exists in English, but you get the point. Like, you know, it's super macho, right? And they are, um, they have this like sort of like dominating attitude. Like, you know, I, I own my wife, I own everything, you know, and it, kind of it's off-putting to me to me it's just kind of like me molesta un poquito right it's like why why are you like that and i think it's just because of the environment that they grow up in but anyway this guy um you know he certainly wasn't like a bad guy but he definitely had that vibe this guy who was going to be like my boss right and so i remember on like the seventh day i was there i just hadn't been sleeping i was just like you know this was just a bad decision this is not what i wanted i'm like i'm like scared to be here i don't really understand why exactly because I haven't seen like any actual violence or any like threats to me or my safety or anything, but I'm just like, I'm scared. I don't like this. I want to get out of here. I want to go home. And I, I made that decision. I decided, you know what? I'm going home. I'm, I'm buying a flight out of here as soon as possible. I remember I spent like all the money I had saved on it. Basically, perdí todo mi dinero que había ahorrado para esto. And then I told the guy, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm sorry. I'm going home. I, I can't be here. This was the wrong decision. I can't do this. And he was super pissed, super encabronado, enojado conmigo, right? Um, and but yeah. That was that. That was it. And like later that day, I went on, uh, I got on a plane, I went to an airport. I had never even gotten through my training with Berlitz Bahrain. And I just, I left, I left the country and I never came back and I never talked to any of them again. And it's funny because I remember, you know, I told people when I came home, obviously I had talked to family members, to friends about this, why I was doing this, et cetera, et cetera. And when I came back, I remember I told them, yeah, I just didn't stay because it just it turns out it wasn't the best opportunity and I wasn't going to get an opportunity to practice my Arabic as much as I thought, which those things were true, right? But the main reason that I left was because of fear, por miedo, right? I was scared when I probably shouldn't even have been scared, you know? I hadn't seen any real evidence, any things that should have scared me there, right? Pero tenía miedo. And then when you're not sleeping well, cuando no estés durmiendo bien, when everything is off, you just make quick decisions based out of fear. And that's what I did. I just made a quick decision and I left and I went back home and I was living with my parents again. And it was a very humbling experience because I had saved up for this, but I wasn't actually ready to do it. I wasn't ready to do it. I wasn't ready to spend 15 months in a strange country, 
right? So would it, was it a good decision to leave after being there for one week? I don't know. I can't answer that, right? A lot of good things ended up happening in those 15 months when I was back in the U.S. instead of being in Bahrain. So who knows? You know, my life is fine right now. Who knows if had I stayed in Bahrain, if it would have been better or worse? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Who knows? Who know? I know my life would probably be different today. Who knows what I would be doing? Who knows how things would have changed, right? But that's life. And here we are. All right, talkers. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening, talkers. Remember that Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English fluency and connect with a global community. Remember to follow us on Instagram at keeptalkingco and check out our website, keeptalking.co, to join our community.